It's the voice of the one and only DJ Scream, letting you know that you are now in tune to the Casual Flex, where culture meets sports and casuals are welcome. Now here's your host, Philip Dukes. Yo, welcome to the second episode of the Casual Flex. I'm your host, Philip Dukes, aka Dukes the Scoop. Check me out on Instagram and Twitter at Dukes the Scoop. All right. Let's get into it. You know, we always going to check in with a little Auburn first. So, uh, the biggest thing I got to talk about with Auburn is, what's wrong? How did we get here? What's the issue? Like, so coming off of a, a blowing a 17-point lead against LSU, um, right now, everybody in their mama is saying, you got to get rid of the coach. All right. My issue isn't with the fans that want to move on. My issue is more so with the way Auburn does things. Auburn is forcing us or forcing all of their fans to be in a toxic relationship. How? What do you, what, what do you mean it's a toxic relationship? Auburn doesn't know when to pull the plug. Auburn doesn't know when to support. When it's time to pull the plug, they stay around too long. When it's time to support, they don't support. Like right now, my main issue with the powers that be, one, we talk about the powers that be way too much, right? It's, it's always when you consider Auburn, you're always talking about drama. It's always an issue. It's never going good. It's never just, you know, you know, status quo. It's always some weirdness going on all the way back to Jetgate. 2003 all the way back to that but one thing I will say is the resiliency of Auburn to come back from things like that is why I think that the relationship is all is a uh, toxic between Auburn fans and football I mean I, I don't know so let's just rewind let's go back so you fire coach Malzahn after a six and four season which really should have been like an eight and four season uh, had it been in a regular season, you fire him. I'm not saying Malzahn is the answer at all, you know. But, you know, people got so upset. And it was fire coach, fire coach, fire coach. Okay, so you fire coach. And then the word gets out that weird, toxic Auburn, right? The word gets out that Kevin Steele pulled off a coop. A coup, coop, however you want to say it. That he backstabbed Malzahn to get the job. And then... The Auburn Twitter mob goes nuts, and you don't hire Steele, okay? So they say Brett Venables uh, turns the job down. Billy Napier turns it down. Uh, I think Tony Elliott, uh, you know, a whole bunch of weirdness happens. And you hire Coach Brian Harson allegedly over a Zoom interview. This is my first problem, why I feel like Brian Harson was put in a no-win situation from day one. This is why, and I'm not saying he can't win, but this is why I feel like Coach Brian Harson was put in a position to fail from day one dealing with Toxic Auburn. This is why. One, if you know that in order to compete with your two biggest competitors, Alabama and Georgia, that you have to be a strong recruiter, right? Not even strong. You have to be an elite recruiter to play it to be on the same playing field as these guys right 
on, on a consistent basis. We're not talking about, you know, you catch somebody on a bad game and, you know, it, you know you're able to be successful to a point, to an extent. What I'm talking about is literally competing for championships on a year-after-year basis, right? You have to be an elite recruiter, okay? There is no way possible that I feel that the sense of urgency about recruiting in order to compete with these two teams was conveyed properly enough for the new staff in order to understand what it took. Now, I'm not saying that they're doing a horrible job recruiting. I'm not saying any of that. I mean, I'm, you know, let's, let's, you know. But what I am saying is, if you wanted a guy to be able to compete in those recruiting circles and in those battles, you would have had to hire a guy, right, to recruit like his hair was on fire, right? That, that's what you would have had to do, okay? You got a guy, you got a football, X's and O's culture guy, right? That works a lot of places. That works to allow you to go 70 and 14 or 70 and 24, whatever it was. Brian Harson came in with an amazing record. So many people were so excited. A lot of the same people that I see saying that you got to fire the guy were so happy that you got rid of Gus Malzahn in order to get Brian Harson, right? So let's let's so let's put it back to let's put the onus back on the people who made the hire. You couldn't have let that man know what was really going on down here. There's no way. Either you didn't know or you just didn't let him know. So you hired a man. Okay, cool. Because it was all about Auburn needed to get tougher. All right. So the man comes in and he's tough. Right? He's being tough. Guys want to leave. He's not, you know, paying attention. He's not forming some of those personal relationships that other guys may have thought they needed or wanted. He came in for football, man. Ball. That's what he came with. Not recruiting, right? Not shaking hands and kissing babies of the boosters. None of that. He he, he ain't on that. And I'm always going to respect Brian Hartson for that, for standing on what he stand on. He stood on business. He stood on his business. Now, okay, cool. So, then, this is my real problem. So, in February, you have the allegations that come out about whatever. All that drama that came out in February about Brian Harson and he, all right, cool. If you was going to do it, you should have did it then. Why? Why are we here right now? Why? If you was going to do that, you should have did it or left the man alone. But, there's an old saying in the South. Either you're going to or get off the pot. Period. So I don't understand why we're always doing this toxic stuff to where when it's not just recruits that hear this. Other coaches hear this. People like Auburn is a tough job based on the fact of how we handle our business. What are we telling? What are our real expectations what are the expectations that you're telling people that you expect for them? You know, yeah, we want to beat Bama. Okay, cool. How do you do that? How? It's not just, 
Yeah, we're going to hire the right guy, and that's going to be... No, man, you got to have people moving in unison. You got to have people moving as one. There's going to be dysfunction in every family. I get it, but Auburn has to be the most dysfunctional family ever when it comes to how the business is handled, right? So let's just... Let's reel it back in. All right. So this is why I feel like Brian Harson was put in a bad spot. So you go around with all this stuff in February. You don't fire the man. You should have just did it. If you felt like it was a mistake, you should have did it. But why why strain the man along? Okay, cool. If he's your guy, then give him a public a public vote of confidence. So he can go out and recruit. Right now the other like other teams are beating Auburn over the head with negative recruiting about who's gonna be there. The media is on this man's head every week. So if you chose not to get rid of him, you at least support him. But that's that toxic stuff that Auburn does at that level, which I probably will never make enough money in order for me to be able to sit at those tables because if I did make that type of money, I wouldn't do a lot of the things that those people in those places do. But me looking, you know, from the outside of the club, as they say, they're like, oh, well, you know, nobody outside the club can tell you what to do inside the club. Okay. But I got an opinion. And in my opinion, it's self-sabotage. It's self-sabotage. And I feel like the way that the business is handled, you never gave this man a real shot. Okay, cool. So now you understand that the relationship is failing. You got to do one or two things. You got to try to make it work. And when I say try to make it work, you really try to make it work. If you want to help Brian Hartson, give him a public vote of confidence to say, hey, he's our coach. He'll be here. Come out and say it. Okay, cool. Try to galvanize the troops. Try to get everybody moving in the same direction. Take advantage of the of, of Jordan Hare Stadium. Stadium. Take advantage of the Auburn faithful and, you know, allow people to say, you know what, this is our guy regardless. We've got a plan. And so what can Coach Brian Harson do? Let people know the plan. Tell tell the fans what the plan is. You know why? Because Auburn fans deserve more than what they're getting right now. I'm sitting on the sideline a couple weeks ago. Auburn's getting blasted. It's cool. You know, I understood, you know. There's a guy on the sideline. And he just grabs me. He's like, I'm like, bro, what's up? I'm looking. I'm looking at them in his eyes. They're like red. They're like drunk red eyes, drunk slash crying eyes, right? And the dude says, "I love it too much. I love it too much for this." And any other time, I'd have been like, "Hey, bro, back up." But I hugged him. You know why? Because he was really going through it about Auburn not really looking good. He was really going through it, like. I feel for that, man. There are so many Auburn fans that come out, pack the stadium out, tailgate all day, spend their money, you know. And I'm not just talking about the big money guys who have it and, you know, they're kicking it. I'm talking about the guys who scrape up their last dollars to go to an Auburn game. Those are the guys that I feel for more than anybody. I feel for the parents of the, of the ball players who have to get on social media and 
get on the internet and read all this craziness. And, uh, you know, I, f- I feel for the coaching staff. You know why I feel for the coaching staff? You know, it's not because, you know, because I'm pretty sure they all got pretty good buyouts. And they all make a good a bit of they They all make money. But I feel bad because it's got to be difficult to do your job without a vote of confidence, right? It's got to be difficult to recruit and not knowing what the future is and having to read about your job every day on social media. So how do you fix that? My, in my opinion, I think that the, the, if if Brian Harson is going to be the guy, then you need to come out. Somebody has to come out and say he's going to be the guy. At least give these guys an opportunity to, to recruit. But in typical Auburn fashion, what I think is going to happen is whatever they do, they're going to botch it. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly. And based off history, it's going to be ugly. And hopefully you get some of that Jordan hair magic that drops in, you know, sometimes. And maybe you get you make a move that works or maybe staying down with Brian Harson works. But at this point, it's just toxic. I mean, it's toxic. It's disjointed. It's dysfunctional. You name it, it is. And it's 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 disheartening, and uh, you know, I it's 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 almost sickening, man. But hey, man, you know, it's Auburn. People love Auburn. They're going to continue to love Auburn. And if you want to know, if you want to know the 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 potential of Auburn and their fan base, just look at basketball. Just check out Bruce Pearl. What Bruce Pearl has been able to do with the basketball program that came from his darkest days is phenomenal. Being able to recruit, being able to win some ball games, mobilizing the fan base. Auburn travels really well regardless. You see the support. You see the social media support. I mean, Auburn fans are some of the best fans in the country. But you got to give them something to believe in. You got to give them something to root for, right? You got to allow the fans of Auburn to recruit for you. How do you do that? By putting a better product on display. What I can't say enough is that Auburn is one of the best places in the nation. And it just has to be taken advantage of. But the way we handle, the way Auburn handles their business is toxic. It's, it's just, it's toxic. All right, enough about Auburn, man. Let's, uh, that's, that's my, that's my rant. And, uh, let's talk about a little NFL. Let's talk about those dirty birds. Let's talk about the Falcons. The Falcons coming up with a huge victory at home against the Browns. And it's, uh, something last week I talked about where I said, do we think the Falcons can put some wins together? I said games together last week as I was warming up back to getting into the casual flex mode. But the Falcons can really get to the playoffs this year. How, dudes? Ain't no way. Not Mariota. So the things that I talked about last week that the Falcons were going to have to do, they did. And they almost tried to give it away. You know, Mariota always has one of those weird fumbles. What is it with Mariota to when things are going good? It's like, you know what? Man, Mariota act like that 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 woman in your life that is like, you know what, everything's perfect. Let me go find some. Like, 
right? It's one dish in the sink. That's Mariota. Mariota's like, it's one dish in the sink. Mariota's going to figure out a way to mess that up. He's, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's going to go, that's, that's, that's the type stuff that he does when everything is going good. It's a fumble out of the blue. But luckily today, right, it didn't hurt the Falcons. And the Falcons showed me, what the Falcons showed me today was, they're going to play playoff football. What's that? That's being but don't break defense, right? And it's running the ball with authority. How are the Falcons running the ball so effectively? And I think all the credit in the world goes to Arthur Smith and his staff about figuring out what works and the probably one of the most effective schemes when it comes to running back committee that I've seen in a long time. So when you play the Falcons, you have to prepare for right now. You got to prepare for four running backs that could get the ball, and they all ran the ball effectively today. And that's not even counting Damian Williams. We're talking about Tyler Algiers. You're talking about Avery Williams, the the, the converted cornerback. You're talking about Cordero Patterson, a com a converted kick returner who's become a Pro Bowl level running back, and um, uh, Caleb Huntley, the A Town guy, the hometown guy that that runs really really hard. So I think that how can the Falcons get to the playoffs by continuing to play bend but don't break defense, running the ball with authority. Simplifying the game for Mariota through running the ball and taking care of the football. If the Falcons can have a positive, I'm not saying it has to be way out of whack, a positive turnover ratio. This is my prediction. If the Falcons end the season with a positive turnover ratio and over 25 sacks, they will reach the playoffs. I, I'm saying that right now. If the Falcons can win the turnover battle and get to the quarterback by hook or by crook, the Falcons will reach the playoffs. That's 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 that on that. So, man, great win. Congratulations to the Falcons. Uh, the city needs it. Uh, the city is waiting on it. And... You got to have something positive in order to counteract the Falcons problem. Now, people ask me, what's the Falcons problem? I'm going to break it down for y'all right now. Now, a lot of people don't know this. But the reason, this is my opinion. Call me crazy. Man, you want to know why the Falcons always do that weird stuff? Like, you know, like start out winning and lose. 28 to 3, you know, folks just going out for gamp. Like, just weird stuff that be happening with the Falcons. You want to know what, why, like, why? Man, and how to fix it. It's them churches. Them churches, dog. When they they, every time the Falcons have built the Georgia Dome, which has been twice the first dome and the new one, they built, they tore down the too many churches. And one church in particular right now. I feel like it's holding the Falcons back. And it's Mount Vernon. Why? Dukes, what are you talking about? Okay. So the first time they built the Georgia Dome, 
there were a whole lot of churches in that area, right? They all sold. But two of those churches didn't sell, and one of them was Mount Vernon. The Reverend, of, and you can Google this, the Reverend of Mount Vernon said that God told him that that's where he was supposed to be and he was not going to sell, right? So the Falcons built around the church and he did not sell. He died in 1993, but before he died, he said, and there's a newspaper quote. I got this from the Atlanta Journal. He said that he'll see the face of God or they will see the face of God before that church is sold. Well, guess what? $15 million and 20-some years later, Mount Vernon sold the church. So you tore down the churches, right? You told you tore down the church that the man said God said it was supposed to be there, right? And you expect to get some favor. Yeah, it ain't. Yeah, it won't. You might get to the playoffs. You might get to the bowl. So this is how the Falcons can fix that. Man, let them folks come to church. The Falcons need to let the people that they moved out and tore the church down, when they tore them churches down, especially Mount Vernon, you need to let them folks come have Sunday service in the church sometime. That's how you fix it. Dukes, you crazy. Man, look, how can you let Kanye West come record a whole album in there? In the dome. You let that man record Donda in there. Let these folks have church on Sunday. Let, let them come on in there. For real. Like, you want to fix the Falcons? Let them folks have Sunday service in the dome, in the bins. Give them a little sweep. You ain't going to miss that much money. You'll probably get the fans behind you. The Falcons need prayer. Don't let this win fool you. <laughs> they need prayer anyway. You need God on your side. <laughs> if you're a Falcons fan, you understand what I'm saying, man. So if you want to fix the Falcons, let them folks come have church on Sunday. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, you'll fix everything. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, the Falcons want to get to the bowl, let them folks come have church on Sunday. Let At least make the offer. Let them turn it down. All right? All right, let's move on. Let's move on. All right. Yeah, I'm getting back in mode now, man. So, you know, we'll turn up a little bit. Let's talk about them Braves. Them Braves. What them Braves just do? Braves just swept the Mets. Wow. Two games up. I think with three games to go. The Braves just swept the Mets. And they got the tiebreaker. I can't say enough about what the Braves have done. The Bra this is the most exciting sports team on the, on a year-to-year -year basis that we've probably ever seen in Atlanta. Because when the Falcons, anytime the Falcons have been successful, it was pretty much an up year and a down year. The Hawks, the Hawks haven't ever been as far as the Braves have been. The Braves are coming off of a championship and are right back in it. I don't think we've ever seen a more successful time in Atlanta sports than we are having right now than what the Braves are doing. The Braves are set up for success all the way into the future. Like the Braves have their core locked up for years. You got Acuna. You still got Ozzy Albies. You got Spencer Strider. <clears throat> Max Freed. Vaughn Grissom on a, on, a, on a lower scale. He's still young. Ball player Austin Riley. Wow. Wow. The Braves have star power. 
and more so than star power, which is had which we've had in Atlanta before. But the thing that Atlanta has never had when it comes to sports is staying power. The Braves have staying power. That's something I've never been able to say. I mean, I, I'll be 40 years old. I'll be 40. And I've been a lifelong Braves, Falcons, Hawks fan. I've never seen this type of continuity and consistency with a championship. The Braves went in the, in the 90s. The Braves were the Buffalo Bills of baseball, except for they did get one. But it never felt like it never felt like this based on the fact that we were always waiting on the other shoe to drop. What's going to go wrong? What's going to happen? How are we going to blow this one, right? You had a lot of high-level free agents. You had the cornerstones, but you had a lot of high-level free agents, and you had the pitching staff, and everything was status quo. But the way that the Braves have been able to infuse their team with young talent and let the young talent be the core of the team. They're so young and they're so good. They're young and good. And I think that it just says a lot about the job that Alex Anthopoulos has done. Um, Brian Snicker, who a lot of people thought wasn't the guy. He's a lifelong, uh, a lifelong baseball guy. Some guys thought he wasn't the guy. Especially, uh, at, and there was one point in time I didn't like the way he was handling Ronald Acuna, but man, kudos to Brian Snicker. Uh, also, the ability to you know the the and I, and I think one of the unsung heroes of the Braves has has to be Ron Washington, Uncle Ron. Uncle Ron was a, a, like he's somebody that helps me enjoy watching the Braves, especially when he hit this one right here. When he hit that one, yeah, you already know. It, it, it's a good day when you see Uncle Ron hit that one, man, for sure. Um, before I get out of here, you know, shout out to the Braves. Um, let's talk about. I think. Uh, hmm. Okay, let's get into a little hip hop right quick. All right, before we get out of here, so I had this argument with one of my buddies right now today. Do you think? That T.I. would beat Lil Baby in a versus today. In Atlanta. Let's say you have it at. On, in a concert on Lakewood. At Lakewood Amphitheater. Would T.I. beat Lil Baby in a versus? Right now. I think Lil Baby would go crazy. Why? Why? And you know, a lot of people my age are going to say, man, dude, you tripping. You're a prisoner at the moment. He doesn't have enough songs. And his songs aren't big. The reason I think that Baby would beat Tip is one, like you said, like I said right now, his relevancy is at an all-time high. He does have big songs, right? But in our in, our, in in this generation, like the generation that would that had to put together a versus, like the digital era, little baby right now is, and maybe on a high not higher but you know, around that same realm that Ti was in in the early two thousands. This has been an unprecedented run for baby, right? Man, you got a guy who's got the streets, 
ain't been in no real beef publicly, right? He don't even speak on beef. He's pushing player, right? Not even so much as the, you know, he's always pushing player type, you know, vibes, right? Reaching a couple of neighborhoods, like he's right there from Oakland City, which got the south. So you got the south side, and you got like a little bit of the city. You got the city, which plus the south side. Nobody's really been able to do that. It's to galvanize two sides at the same time, which Baby has done. Because on the south side, you're gonna get as much love as you're gonna get on the west side, you know. And right now, he's got the kids in the headlock, and the adults too. Yeah, you can go song for song, whatever you like. Let's see. Let's see what Tip's biggest song is. Like, and the way I see with somebody, or not biggest song, but let's see what Tip's biggest song on Apple Music is right now. Whatever you like. Let's go to songs. We can do this right now. All right, so let's go. T.I., whatever you like, versus Lil Baby, Drip Too Hard. Mm, right now. In the course of, like, you know, right, right now, if you had to play them two songs, and, okay, let, let's let's give Tip Live Your Life. You got Rihanna. Yeah, let's go Live Your Life, okay? Number two, Lil Baby, Yes Indeed. Wah, 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 with Drake. That's when, that's when we kind of knew what was going on with Baby, right? Let's go Tip. What Tip we going with? About the money. Oh, if it ain't about the money. Okay, I'm going to go Tip again. All right, let's go. So we're gonna go tip first this time. Tip. Songs. Song three. They got My Love with Justin Timberlake. Song three, baby. Freestyle. Hood National Anthem. Freestyle. Shout out my label that me. I'm in it with TV. You feel me? So I mean, alright, let's go four. We're just gonna do four. I mean, we're gonna do five. We'll do five. Blurred lines, Robin Thick. T.I. for real. Okay? Baby. Wants and needs Drake, man. So the reason I'm going with Baby on this one because he slid. This may be the best little Baby verse ever. So it's two to two. Let's 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 break the tie. Number five, little Baby, we paid with look with uh with forty two Doug. That's hard. Tip, Soldier, Destiny's Child. All right, so look, maybe I stand corrected. If there was a versus today, based on how large Tip is as an artist, you got to go with Tip. But as far as like the vibe and, you know, as of right now, I would go Baby to rock the show live just because of, and where we are timing wise. But I would say that, man, we Atlanta probably hasn't seen another artist like Tip outside of Baby. He's probably the, I wouldn't even say the new Tip. He's almost like. You know, the vert like the, the new generation's version of Jay Z, which tip was for us in Atlanta. So hey man, you know, that's the one I would love to see, man. The future versus now versus tip versus baby. All right, well look, man, that's my time. You know, um, you know, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Dukes D Scoop. Episode two, you know, uh we just let's get in and kicking it, man. You got something you want to talk about, drop it in the comments. You got an opinion on anything, drop it in the comments. And, uh, yeah, this was just me, my state of mind, how we feeling about everything. And uh, going forward, man, I got some uh, some good guests lined up. So I think we'll see you again on Thursday. Be here, subscribe, check me out. Hey, Deuce the Scoop, I'm out.